0: Welcome to this edition of the Disciples Men podcast with your host, Greg Alexander and Alex Ruth. Thank you for joining us as we explore the many challenges of being man of faith in these challenging times. Disciples Men is a ministry of Disciples Home Missions of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in the U.S. and Canada. Let's listen in today's conversation.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Disciples Men podcast. This is your associate director of Disciples Men, Alex Ruth. Glad to be with you today, and as always, we have our Director of Disciplesmen, Greg Alexander. Greg, good to have you today.
0: Hey, Alex. Great to be here with you. Excited about our conversation today.
1: We have a great conversation today. I'm really looking forward to it as well. We're joined by a special guest, uh, Chris Furr, and Chris is the author of a book that will be uh, published very soon by West- Westminster John Knox Press, and right. um, he's here to tell us a little bit about that and have some conversation up about um his upcoming book so welcome chris glad to have you with us today
2: thanks for having me i appreciate the invitation and looking forward to it also
1: well tell us a little bit chris about uh about how you come to uh to where you are right now tell us a little bit about yourself um so that we can get a get a handle on it before we dive into the text of the book
2: sure um so i'm i'm coming up on my um gosh, I guess, uh, 16th, uh, ordination anniversary, uh, next month. Uh, so I've been in, in disciples ministry that pretty much that whole time and, um, was born and raised a disciple at uh, first Christian church in Wilmington, North Carolina. So, um, uh, that's deep, uh, deep down in, in me, the, uh, disciples, uh, roots. And so, um, served, uh, for seven years in at first Christian church in Alexandria, right outside of, uh, in the Capitol area, right outside of DC. And then, uh, came to covenant in 2014. Um, so I've been here, um, about the same length of time now. And so, um, you know, uh, continuing that journey in ministry, I, uh, live here with my wife. We have, uh, two boys, uh, one who is, uh, getting ready to enter the teenage years. So we're buckling our seatbelts for that. And, yeah, okay. uh, uh, another one who's getting ready to, uh, to turn double digits, uh, and be 10. So, um, so that certainly, uh, adds a component to, uh, uh to life and to ministry and, um, you know, and even to the, the subject of the book, um, the book's something I've been working on for a couple of years it feels like it's been you know a lot longer than that but um you know i signed the contract in in 2019 with westminster john knox and um of course you know the the landscape of uh our public life has changed a lot uh since then and uh in all kinds of ways and so um you know the books uh had to grow and evolve along with that and um hopefully it's it's hitting uh at a good time where it can facilitate facilitate some discussion and um you know just be part of the conversation really it's uh that's that's what i i wanted it to be would be something that could facilitate conversation and move the conversation along maybe and um you know give folks a chance to uh to think and explore and reflect with uh with each other so that's my hope. That's my hope.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, you've got a, uh, certainly an eye-catching title, uh, attention <laughs> grabber, uh, yeah. so straight white male, uh, yeah. tell us a little bit about, uh, tell us about the book, um, you know, kind of get us started. What's, what's your intent for it. And then we can get into kind of the meat of talking about, um, how that impacts us, you know, as, as men, obviously, uh, as disciples, men, as,
2: mm-hmm. as
1: people of faith.
2: Sure. Uh, definitely is an eye catching title. Uh, I, I forget that cause I've been working with it for so long. And then, uh, you know, everybody I talk to is like, wow, that's a bold title. Um, which, you know, it's, is it's part of, um, part of, you know, getting folks attention, uh, and being clear about what the book's meant to explore. Um, but I think, um, you know it arose out of a you know sort of the confluence of conversations that that we are having um you know in uh in recent years with the advance of you know the me too movement the black lives matter movement um and um you know uh, increasing conversations around ubtq inclusion and um you know just realizing that um that this particular identity was kind of at the the center of all of those things in some way or another. Um, and so, um, the question, and I, I think, you know, I've read a lot of things and brilliant wonderful books that that help articulate, um, you know, the harmful legacy of white supremacy and, um, you know, patriarchy and, and those things. And, um, but I think, you know, folks who tick all the boxes straight white male um what i saw was were were folks who were struggling for who could acknowledge okay there's some things that need to change but what now how do i how do i be in my skin in this um time and place and in a redemptive way not just um you know a desire to to honor these conversations that we're having but uh, to do so in a way that's um, redemptive and faithful and still allows me to feel like um there's some form and shape to my identity um rather than just not being this you know how do i be something you know wear this identity in a more uh redemptive way and so um my hope was really to to try to offer some um some thoughts about that and and a way to think about that and um yeah i what i what i saw happening was i saw uh you know the these conversations you know asking us to think differently about uh about whiteness about race about uh right. about uh masculinity and you know um that can be uh challenging and sometimes when we face a challenge rather than meet it we retreat into um what we already think or already feel in an even deeper way. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to tell me, you know, you know that there's something wrong with the way masculinity has been lived out. Well, I'll retreat even further into that, you know, version of masculinity. Or you want to tell me that there's still issues of race in America. Well, you know, I'm going to retreat even further into my whiteness. And so um, it kind of becomes a defense mechanism against Mm -hmm. change that's happening in the culture. And then you also have folks who are well-meaning and they understand intellectually, you know, what's going on, but emotionally and spiritually, you know, I was having conversations with, with, with guys behind closed doors who were going, you know, we understand all this and why it's needed and why these conversations are necessary, but we don't know how to be right Right, now. Um, And so, um, so just an attempt to wade into that water. And, you know, um, like I said, you know, I never, I knew it wouldn't, it wouldn't be not be an exhaustive volume of, you know, guidance or wisdom or that, you know, there wouldn't be things that I wouldn't, that I, that I would get wrong, you know, maybe even in in some of what I articulate, but we have to start somewhere and we have to be willing to be wrong. um, And, um, and grow along the way. So um, that's kind of where it came from. And uh, you know, what I, where I'm coming from as uh as I offer it out into the world uh now in the coming months. So yeah.
0: I can't tell you how excited I am about this, Chris. I can't wait to read the book. I really can't. <laughs> I
2: appreciate is that. Is
0: there uh is there like a ABC one two three kind of um uh, um process to your thinking that you could give us sort of the highlights of, mm. of uh where the book will take us?
2: Sure. Well, I, I, um, I wanted to engage this pattern of uh, beginning with confession, um, because I think one of the things that I've found in, uh, in my own ministry is, you know, having folks, um, you know, come up to me. And I want to be clear. I'm not I'm not saying that. I, I mean, to me, this seems like a natural thing and this is not, i um, this is not any virtue of mine, but hearing people say, you know, we never heard somebody who looks like you acknowledge what you just did. Right. Um, and I realized what, um, power that has just to have someone who looks like me acknowledge that people who look like me have done harm. Um, and so I knew we had, you know, that I had to, you know, we just have to own, own it, you know, own kind of what, um, what the legacy of patriarchal white supremacy is um and and lay that out there um so that we all so that we understand the legacy we inherit you know which is uh, you know part of one of the points I make is like none of us chose to inherit this um this toxic you know these tox the toxic elements of, of our history right. but here we are and it's it's reality so you know you can either live in denial of that or accept it and try to be the best most faithful person you can in the midst of it so and then to take that but also try to go a step forward and say all right here's some things that you know are within your power you know that that are maybe postures to take things to do that um that um that may be uh not only you know impactful for the people around you but freeing for you as well Mm -hmm. um and then there's, there are four contributors, um, to the book, uh, because I felt that, um, that my words didn't need to be the only ones, um, in the book and that, you know, um, you know, there are plenty of men talking about patriarchy in ways that don't acknowledge what women might have to say about it, you know, et cetera. So, um, so I had these four amazing contributors, um, to the book and, um, we sort of isolated the variable for three of the four of them. So, you know, um, we have Dr. Barber, our own Dr. Barber, who, uh, is, is straight and male, but not white. Um, and, um, Melissa Flora Bixler, who, uh, Mennonite pastor nearby here, who's just a extraordinary, um, writer in her own right and, um, and uh i think interpreter of scripture uh she's just razor sharp and uh she writes as someone who's straight and and white but not a not a man and so on and on matthias roberts who's uh, uh writes from a glt glbtq perspective and then dr robin henderson espinoza who talks some about uh intersectionality and, and becoming and so um i i'm just really uh feel um feel blessed and, and grateful that they have offered their words um, in it as well. So that there's that, there's that other, those are those other voices yeah, that can speak into what we need to hear. And so, so that's kind of how it's laid out. It's divided into three sections, straight, white, and male. There's a, there's a, a, a opening chapter, ending chapter, introduction, conclusion, um, and then there's sort of confession and repentance within each one of those sections and a response you know, from each of those uh, contributors. So, um, yeah, that's how it's laid out.
1: That's awesome. Uh, I, I know subtitle um, has what is becoming a, a catchphrase um, uh, and has been something that's been a part of at least my faith journey. And I think many uh, of mm-hmm. our faith journeys and that's the act of deconstruction. Yeah. Um, Of of taking what we have been taught, what we have integrated in ourselves and um, critically evaluating it. Um, So talk a little bit about that process for you and from the perspective that that you talk about in the book.
2: I don't I don't know which is the bigger uh, elicits the bigger reaction, privilege or deconstruction. Those two words I'm learning. I mean, between the main title and the subtitle, I realize i am dancing on a lot of toes, but, um, (laughs) the, uh, the privilege piece of it is like, I'll start there because I think if I acknowledge that, um, there are some things that, that I've, um, had access to that I didn't earn. Um, you know, the first step is accepting that because we we live in this culture where, you know, um, the, the ultimate virtue is to, to work for what you have, you right. know, to hard work and you work for what you have. And um, if you want, if you want something, the way to it is to work for it. And if you work for it, then you can get it. And that's the the mindset. So if you say to me that it, that something I have, I got because, and I didn't work for it, then I push back against that because that means that, you know, I didn't follow that, that virtuous path that we have in our mind. Uh-huh. So accepting that, that privilege is a thing and that we all have it in some form or another doesn't mean that you didn't you know, work hard for this or that thing or that there weren't struggles in your life. It just means that, um, you know, when I, for example, walk through the doors of a church, I don't have to work. I don't have to wonder myself if the, if I can be in leadership in that church. I don't have to wonder if uh, if I, if there's any like parts of, of uh, ministry in that church that are off limits to me. Um, I don't have to wonder about any of those things. And there's advantage in that. And so if I recognize that I that I have advantages that I didn't earn, then I have to look at that and say, okay, well, what's my responsibility here? Um, maybe if I'm a if I'm a person of faith and I realize that I have advantages that other people didn't have, maybe one of my responsibilities is to, is to use that advantage to help other people. Mm-hmm. That's a basic tenet of our faith. I have something you don't Jesus calls me to use that to help you. But then the deconstruction part comes in when we say, okay, well, if I have this advantage, why, why does this exist? Why, you know, why, why is it easier for me to walk, you know, for me to walk through the doors of a church than it would be for someone who doesn't have the same aspects of my identity. And, and uh, if the reasons for that are, are not good ones, then, I have to, to take that apart. And even with my editor, when we were talking about the subtitle, um, we started, we, we started with using, using your privilege. And I said, I don't, I don't like that term because that, uh, that means that I'm, I'm leveraging something, but I'm not questioning whether or not that thing should exist in the first place. Right. And so we landed on, on deconstructing as, okay, well, um, not only do I need it to, to, I'll use my privilege where I can in the interest of justice, but then I also, I have to be a part of the work of taking down, you know, um, you know, patriarchal whites whiteness as as the norm by which everyone else in our culture is measured. Um, right. and uh, and actually, um, that's my that's my calling, you know, as a person yeah. of faith to take down structures that are, um, that are diminishing you know, the image of God in someone else. Um, So that's where that deconstructing uh, term comes from. And, you know, I think, like you said, it's a buzzword now, uh, but hopefully one, you know, people can understand as a way of, um, you know, critical thinking, you know, analyzing my life, the world around me, you know, um, how things work and if they should keep working that way or not. So, yeah, I think that's just part of the work.
1: Yeah, the the whole idea of deconstruction uh, around issues of faith has gotten a lot of um, uh, questionable uh, press recently, (laughs) Uh, depending on what circles we're floating in. Um, Yes. You know, I I see all the TikTok videos um, on both sides of that. Um, It's an interesting discussion, but I really like the way you frame that as, um, and that's helpful for me personally because I've been on some of that same journey. I don't like that idea of, Using my privilege, mm-hmm. um, at the same time, I didn't didn't really have any better language for it, um, mm-hmm. or I didn't land on that better language. So that's that's helpful for me at least, um, just yeah. to think about it that way as a way of acknowledging and then doing something about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. We we never know, uh, uh, Chris, Alex, and I never know to what degree people follow the work that we do with disciple men and uh you know it's a strange time uh and uh, so many of our constituency ministries are restricted to a small group of constituents right alex and i've been working on this together for a long time i've been doing this for almost the entire time of my ministry in some form Hmm. and um and when you begin to challenge the norm you know challenge the cultural perceptions that are out there regardless of the language you use, whether it's deconstruction or something else, we get pushback. And I'm curious as to where, well, let me ask this. Way. Have there been some surprising places where you have received pushback you did not expect to receive it as your, as a knowledge of what you're doing has gotten out?
2: Um. I think that's probably been one of the more challenging parts of it personally, is not not being able to anticipate. I mean, I know there'll be pushback. And anybody who has grown up in, um, you know, in these circles where these norms are so strong, like you said, and pushing back against them is is discouraged. uh, We all have learned at some point or another the consequences of questioning those norms. And no one, I don't think anyone closes ranks um, and discourages um, any kind of, um, you know, deviating from those norms as quickly as people who are wedded to patriarchal whiteness as a norm. Mm -hmm. Um, And those consequences can be bitter, and painful and and hurtful and um but i think i think when i when i back up and i and i realize um that often um those responses come from a place of fear and anxiety um and when we uh you know because if you're if you're telling me that i in in grief and i I'll, I'll, I'll say more about that in a second but like mm. if you're telling me that i um that I need to change something about how I understand what it means to be a man. Um, well, then what, right. you know, and I mean, if, if there's, there's a long path for me to like begin to undo some things that I've learned about what it means to be a man. And then, um, and then what does it look like if it doesn't look like this? Right. Um, right. And so um, those subconscious unconscious thoughts can drive a response to say, well, I don't want to hear anything about, you know, you know, this, you know, uh, you know, there's the masculine and then there's the feminine, and you know, that's just the way it is. And that's the way God made us. And I don't want to hear anything different than that. And I think a lot of times what's going on underneath that is this defensiveness against the unknown. Mm-hmm. The other piece of that is grief, because if I acknowledge that some of the things that I was taught and inherited aren't, aren't faithful, then what does that mean about the people that I have venerated in my life and loved in my Mm -hmm. life? And, Mm -hmm. you know, if, um, I I think about this a lot as a Southerner, you know, because, uh, a lot of this feeds our nostalgia, right. About Southern life. And, um, you know, we're protective of it because these are our, our ancestors. Like these are our, our grandparents, our great grandparents. And, you know, we, you know, we, we look up to them, we idolize them, we value the impact they had on their lives. And so for us to acknowledge that they were also deeply flawed people feels dangerous, you know, and it feels hurtful. And I, and I grieve over that, you know, and that's natural. I mean, I I don't, you know, I say in the book, like grief's part of the equation, you know, you have to come face to face with them. Some things about people you love that aren't uh, fun. And you also have to come face to face with things about yourself that aren't fun to face. Um, But the alternative is is sort of repeating these same patterns um and you know passing on to another generation you know i mean i think every generation has sort of had its opportunities its its cultural reckonings where that we could sort of choose to, to deal with some of these things and we've never quite gone all the way uh toward 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 uh making some some lasting change in these areas so um, if, but if we're going to do that, then you that have to place, face some unpleasantness, you know, yeah. right. and I know that there's people who are going to read the title of the book and never pick it up. Uh, I know there are people who will trash it online who have never opened it. I, I mean, I, I know that, um, I'm working on thickening my skin in that area, but, uh, um, you know, my hope is that, you know, um, that, that, that the book is also, uh, got enough grace in it. Um, to where, you know, um, it's not, um, uh, I read a, a helpful thing recently, um, in this, uh, posthumous book that was, uh, published of Rachel Held Evans work, um, wholehearted faith. She talks about the difference between shame and guilt mm-hmm. as, uh, guilt acknowledging that, uh, that I've done something bad and shame being, I am bad um and so trying to lean into uh um feeling like okay there's there are things that uh I can acknowledge I did wrong and I can live to tell the story and it doesn't mean that there's nothing redemptive or loving lovable about me you know um and if we can if we can live through that experience then I think we'll feel a lot freer on the other end of it
0: but in many ways it's just another way of retelling the the story of our faith. I mean, that's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is that transformation? One of the things that um I am most curious to see, not not only through your work, but through you know our work. And it's a part of it's a part of everyone who tries to be an agent of transformation of some form. And that is that, you know, there's always a ceiling that even well-meaning people will go so far, and then they hit that ceiling and do not have whatever it takes to bust through the ceiling into that next new realm of reality, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. My experience has been that the reason why people hit the ceiling and then retreat is because they don't know who they will be in the new reality that's being proposed. Mm -hmm. I know who I am in this world. Yeah, I don't know who I will be or what, what I will get out of being whatever it is I'm called to be in the new world. Do you provide any, any uh, suggestions or help for people who, as to the blessing of being, um, you know, um, a different kind of person of, uh, you know, who lives in this deconstructed world?
2: I hope so. Uh, I, I, it's, I mean, there's, it's, I mean, there's some uh memoirish elements uh in this book where I talk about um my own journeys and my own reckonings and things that I struggle with and, you know, I'm confessional and acknowledge about that. Um uh, one of the things that I say in the in the opening is that, you know, I'm aware that people will um accuse me of like some kind of self hatred, right? That like really I'm just uh just, uh, dissatisfied with who I am and, you know, um, don't, uh, you know, I don't want to be a straight white man and I'm trying to apologize for it. Um, but actually I, my testimony to that is I, I, I feel freer now than I ever have. And I feel more in touch with, um, with who I am than I ever have, because I don't feel, um, you know, I can, because I can acknowledge, at least I, I think in some cases I can acknowledge when I'm trying to live into things that, that aren't really true or that don't really matter. Um, you know um, what is, you know, what is uh, really bound up or valuable in, you know, trying to, you know, um, be a certain kind of uh, where my masculinity in a certain kind of way, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I have a wife. I have children who love me. I, you know, I have like, you know, I have I'm uh, uh, beloved by God, you know, who, whose approval am I trying to earn, you know, mm-hmm. by, by being a certain way. And when you, when you can um, find that kind of freedom, then there's a whole, you can, you know yourself and you, there's a whole lot more about your own spirit that you can explore uh, when you're, when you realize that there, there, you don't have to put certain parts of yourself off limits. You know, I can, um, you know, I can, I can enjoy, you know, what I enjoy, whether it's something that most 41 year old men enjoy or not, you know, I mean, what, what's, what's the difference, you know? Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, so I I hope that, um, but that you're right. There is that, there is that ceiling and, and we're always bumping up against it. You right, know, and we, and it's, all, and we fight. it's all Jesus has these encounters with people all the time that they're ready to go and then Jesus puts his finger on the one thing they're not ready to let go of you know right. to go all the way so yeah, right. uh you know it's uh it's always a challenge you know to push to that next place we tend to always focus
0: so much on what we lose and we tend oh, yes. to forget to focus on what we'll gain yes and uh, and I think used to my commentary on on the church as a whole, and in, in work we've been trying to do, in you know, to become a much more whole church, is that is that we really don't spend a whole lot of time talking about the blessing, mm. and uh, about you know what, the joy we're going to find in being the new church, this new reality. Yeah. Uh, and um, I don't hear a lot of that. I hear a lot of "What was us?" Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe that's because I'm old and jaded and been at it too long, but that's very well be That's my confession, but it's, but, but, you know, I want to hear people say, I can't tell you what a joy it is to be who I am today in comparison to what it was like to be shackled by being, you know, by the stereotypes of white, of being a white straight male, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: uh, you know, that, and how that was defined for me in times past right i'm going to give a new definition to what it looks like and what it means to me and this is this is the whole new life i get to experience i hear a lot of people telling me that maybe i'm just in the wrong places
2: well the other piece of it is i think when when you start to think about these things and i talk about this in the book too um because of these dynamics and you know most of us aren't self-aware enough to realize this but because of this dynamic there is always um something between us and the people around us right so if i'm in a, because of the the legacy of um you know patriarchal violence when i'm in a room with with another woman the you know she has to calculate my presence in the room yes um it's in a public space or in a private space and because of that there is a there is a a barrier between the two of us right in our relationship as human beings Mm -hmm. same is true uh, matthias roberts writes beautifully about this about trusting being in the presence of 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 other of straight folks and trusting that there won't be harm and how difficult that is and the same is true you know for for persons of color and, and and on and on and so when i realized that actually in all my relationships, there is this barrier between people and God. I know, I know, theologically, God has created me to be in fellowship with God and with other people. And in all of my relationships, I have this barrier that exists between us. And if we can bring that barrier down and have fuller relationships with the people around us that are built more on love and trust, and take down some of the things that, um that keep us from knowing each other, from, from hearing each other, um, from, from, uh, receiving the things that the gifts that other people have to offer. And that's a lot fuller life. I, I don't want to go through life feeling like I'm cut off from so many of the people around me, more than half right. of the people around me. Yeah, so, right. you know, that's, to me, that's the blessing of, of being on the other side. It's like, let's, um, you know, let's realize that that right now as things exist, there's this separation between us and God calls us to a deeper and fuller life. Right. What a joy that would be, you know, right. to have to live in, in those ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautifully stated.
1: Yeah, You said more than half and I'd say almost the majority uh, of yeah. people were separated right. from, you know, because we're start adding I'm, up all the demographics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it, even amongst, you know, we sit here having this conversation as three straight white guys, Yeah. you know, between our 40s and, and a bit older than that. Um, um, <laughs> and uh, th- we all, I think, experienced that upbringing that says that a man has to not only fit and do these things but must ex, uh, express themselves in a certain way that is often very stoic mm-hmm. not allowed to express much emotion um certainly the uh, any emotion that's not anger i mean that tends yeah. to be the go-to yeah. um for for guys uh, of a of a certain generation um and and that cuts us off from everybody you know it cuts us off from one another and being able to to tell a a male friend at, as we're parting, I love you and give him a yeah. hug, you know, those right. kinds of things. I, at least I wasn't taught growing up that that was okay. Yeah. And, and had to, had to learn that later in life.
2: Yeah. And, they, and not only cuts us off from others, but cuts us off from ourselves. I mean, you don't even know. Yeah. I mean, so many men that don't, they don't even know what brings them joy or, <laughs> you know, what, uh, you know, what, what they really love to do or, Right. Um, how they really feel in a given moment because they've they've so uh cut themselves off um from um from that experience of emotion and um you know uh, uh bell hooks's um yes book, the title the title of it is escaping me now but but um she really writes for women about you know what men what why men are so cut off from their emotions but it's so true and beautifully written um you know to me that was a, a powerful thing that shaped you know my own thinking and writing and preparing for this and i talk about it in the book too you know i i grew up uh with a dad who was raised by women uh he was raised by his mother and grandmother and um and he didn't have that you know he's never had that sort of uh he's always been willing to to say i'm proud of you or right um you know, uh, express his love and, um, in, in gentle ways and tender ways and not, you know, angry ways. And, uh, and I wonder, you know, just how much of that is because, you know, uh, he didn't, he didn't, uh, have that, uh, uh way of thinking and being sort of projected onto him. Um, but we need to get to a place where it doesn't take not having a, you know, a a man in your life to, uh, allow you to be emotionally available, you know, so right. uh, dealing with our feelings and, and being open about them, um, and vulnerability in that way that we all, you know, that, that's right. That's also kind of counter to what we learn about manhood. You know, you don't want to project vulnerability cause that's weakness. Um, and the other piece is, I, I don't know where we get this, like uh, characterization of Jesus, but, you know jesus shows emotions and i talk about that i mean you know jesus sees people who are hurting and it says you know his guts were churned up you know in the right. greek it's move with compassion his you know it tears him up from the inside out you know his, his friend dies and he weeps you know i mean right. so where do we get this concept that um you know that um there's something virtuous about withholding what you feel i don't i don't know
0: that's where we read the Bible through our cultural context, and we need yeah. to have a different context in which we yeah. read and understand, which I always thought was the role of the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. It was to help a congregation see the Bible in a different context. But sure. I don't know if that's true. Hmm. So I, I am curious. We haven't
2: said, when will the book be released? Uh, it's... Um... That's a good question. I want to say it's, uh, uh, I believe Holy week is the April 15th is the release date. So good Friday. I think, I don't know if that's good or bad tax day, however you want to look at it. Uh, uh, um, It's going to tax a few folks. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, April. It's, you know, it's available for pre-order. Uh, now you can, uh, anywhere you get your books, you can, you can pre-order it. So it's, uh, it's out there. Awesome. Was
0: there a trigger for you in in moving in this direction, or to, to uh,
2: feel the need to write the book? Um. Well, I you know I think it was um I you know I just going back to those um, conversations about um you know with other men because I just saw men like me um. Who were learning how to be in public, yeah. right? Like learning. Okay, I know I can't say that. Uh, learning. I know you know. I you know this is the right thing to say. This is the right position to take. This is you know intellectually, but then also wondering where is there room for me, mm-hmm. yeah. which yeah. I realize is a very you know when you're used to always having a place, right and that being taken for granted. And then you see the pendulum swinging the other way and panicking about that is kind of an entitled way to think. Um, but to think about, um, there is a place for me, but what is it? Right. And, And accepting that it may not take the shape that, you know, the generation before me, uh, did. Um, but to realize that, you know, uh, there's there there is a way to to live in the affirmative rather than in the the negative you know we have we were learning we've learned what not to be but we don't know yet how to how to put you know reconstruct i guess would be the word put something back together that's um that's in some way redemptive you know um and yeah. something that gives us freedom and you know healing and all of the things that that we need and and some of it i mean a lot i mean if you look at a lot of the the things that um a lot of these things that we talk about you know if, if you if you really have a deep and abiding sense of your own belovedness you know in the eyes of god um then then you don't need to feel supreme uh you don't you don't need to to for there to be um You know, someone else who's subservient to you, whether that's a white person, you know, as a white person or as a as a man, um, if I don't if I don't have anything to prove, um, and I realize that that God has loves me already, and I don't I don't have to prove that or earn that by being a particular thing, um, then you can let go of holding on to those hierarchies that have, you know, you've sort of tried to use to soothe your insecurities. and so, you know, giving some folks, uh, you know, hopefully, just to, to see that, um, you know, I, that catalyst, I guess, was just to want want that for people, you know, to want them to to realize that there is, you know, life on the other side of this, and actually, it's better, you know, mm-hmm. if you can see right, your way right. to it, right, for sure.
1: Hey, as we're talking, I'm I'm finding myself drifting sometimes in thought to wonder if there, if there could have been a fourth, fourth section of your book, um, Christian, you know, mm. to, to how the, how our faith then impacts all of these things as well. So there's your, there's your, uh, part two.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, if, the more I, the more I, you know, reading back through the book and stuff as we'll lead up to it, I realize that there are still so many things that were unsaid. And I mean, there are some, I mean, I talk at the beginning about, um, you know, it's kind of, you have to decide who your audience is here, right? right? But I mean, the, the, at the beginning, you know, for me, a lot of the catalyst for, for taking up this work is, you know, how, how seriously do you take Jesus? Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh you know, I, I put at the end of the book, I talk about, you know, who takes apart the house they live in, right? right? Brick by brick, right? Who takes apart something that benefits them, that protects them, that gives them advantage. Um, people who follow Jesus do that, you know, that, that, that's, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. You know, and at the beginning I talk about, you know, having this encounter where, you know, um, once you see that there are people around you suffering, right, you have to decide what your response to that is going to be. Um, and we've all had this experience through, you know, the, the, Uh, social media hashtags through cell phone cameras through um you know the ability we have to to share for people to share their stories we have seen people's pain yeah and so the question is you know like what 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 you do about that like you know what is what does jesus tell you to do about when you see somebody in pain and um you know um once you see it right then you have a certain you know you have a certain commitment to it if you're if you want to follow jesus right so to me it is you know it is so central i mean and there's a whole lot of work that could be done too we talk about um you know there's some other like just broader theology like uh you know howard thurman's jesus and the disinherited and uh Hendricks, the politics of jesus and ways that uh you know a a really a uh a jesus who speaks very specifically into these kinds of you know unjust power dynamics you know has somehow we've lost that jesus you know and it's carefully orchestrated actually how we've lost sight of that jesus because when we lose it it may when we when we lose that you know that jesus who challenges us and the power structures then uh it's easy to actually use him just to support the status quo and uh, we have (laughs) of course yeah of course of course so I mean a lot of it is just getting, you know, you know, getting back to, to taking the Jesus we find in the gospels seriously, you know. Um and uh and our commitment to being his disciples, you know. Uh it is, you know, pretty elemental. Um yeah. you know people around me are hurting. What does that mean for me? Um simple.
0: That's kind of complicated.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, well Chris, uh, One of the great uh, privileges we've had of doing the podcast is we've been able to have some extraordinary people uh, that we've interviewed. uh, You know, from Terry Hart Owens on down. Just you know, and as one who's uh, retired, and you know, I've uh, I've had my chance, and and now it's up to the generations that follow to lead the church. People like you gave me so much hope. Yep. and uh to see the you know i i know there's a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth about the church but the truth is if the church could see you know the great young leadership that we have in the church and and their courage and their conviction uh gives gives me great hope i do not worry about the church Just not going to look like it has and it shouldn't mm-hmm. right. it would be a horrible sin for that to be the case yeah. but um my thanks to you mm-hmm. and uh for taking Definitely. this on and uh we do feel like you're an ally to the work that Alex and I do and have been doing for a long time. And uh, we are glad to have your voice uh, uh, heard and probably heard stronger than our own. (laughs) And, uh, but it's, it's great. And I I just can't thank you enough for your, for, for doing this. And again, uh, you guys give this old dude some really great hope and inspiration. I want to thank you for that.
2: Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate the opportunity to, to share and, you know, I, I think um, you know, uh I think we're at our best in ministry when, you know, um, you know, we offer up, you know, what we see when we look out at the world, you know, here's what I see. Um, and invite people to come and stand next to us and see if they see what we see or what they see that's different. And um I'm like you, I draw a lot of strength um, you know, from the people around me. You know, one of the things I say at the end of the book is, you know, this work is not beginning it's already happening there are already people trying to do this work our choice is whether we're going to join with them or not and so this invitation to um to just be partners with you know join with each other um and finding our own whatever our own vocation is in it um is uh it's a joy when you can feel like you've you're not alone in that uh in that journey so uh, so i appreciate it appreciate the conversation
0: Thank you for joining us today, Alex. I'll throw it back to
1: you. All right, Chris, I'll extend my thanks as well. We appreciate it. And a reminder to everybody that the the book, Straight White Mail, does come out um, on Holy Week, a good Friday, we think is the day, uh, April 15th. And uh, so look forward to that. Um, You can pre-order it now. at Pretty much anywhere you want to buy a book, Um, they've got copies of Chris's work. So Chris, again, thank you for your time today. Really look forward to getting a chance to read this this uh, late spring, early summer and uh, see what conversations it can spark with, with other folks. All right. And
2: hopefully with us again. Yeah, exactly. yeah that'd be great. Anytime. Anytime. All right. thanks for Thank,
1: thanks for that. Thank you all for joining us on another edition of Disciples Men Podcast. We'll catch you soon.
0: Our special thanks to our good friend, the Reverend Dr. Dean Phelps for providing the special music of this podcast. You can discover more of Dean's music at deanphelpsmusic.com. And you can learn more about the Ministry of Disciples Men on Facebook and through discipleshomemissions dot org.